Well, I trust everyone's doing well. My name is Jeff Fuller, pastor at Living Hope Wesleyan Church. Hopeforvermont.org is where you can certainly find more information. As we agree that we are simply beggars sharing bread with other beggars, so let us do that as part of God's family and know that you are not alone. Uh, I just wanted to share that we are also on uh, Google Podcasts. I'm pretty excited. Our assistant pastor, Kenny White, has us up there. It's Living Hope Wesleyan, Living Hope Wesleyan, so you can certainly find us on there as well as on YouTube. The YouTube channel simply is Living Hope Wesleyan Church. But I believe people's stories make our stories much better, less ignorant, and certainly better. And so right now we have a great story for you. This is Pastor Kathy Bruce. Kathy, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing well. Thanks again for making the time. I heard you on, I believe, a webinar, something like that, with the Wesleyan denomination, just sharing uh, your story. And first of all, I just want to stop uh, or start right there, I guess I should say. The Wesleyans, small denomination, I think we're right around a million members strong worldwide. But becoming Wesleyan has been new for you and your church, Hope Nomad. Could you just share about that process and uh, what it has been like for you to be a part of the Wesleyan denomination? Sure. Yes. So we are very new. Um, our church just got voted in. I believe two Saturdays ago. Uh, so we are excited to be affiliated and, and joining the denomination. Um, yeah, thank you. So we have, an, uh, there's one other, there, there's a number of Wesleyan churches actually in uh, New York City. Uh, most are in the outer boroughs. Um, so we are just the second of uh, two Wesleyan churches in right in Manhattan. And so I, Jen and Brandon Peterson, who uh, run Resurrection Life, are good friends of mine. We've, I've known them for uh, several years now. Our kids went to the same school. And so I guess that was probably my first introduction was through through Jen and just seeing how much um, they really have a, a wonderful synergy around women clergy. And that was uh, obviously very attractive to me as I'm a woman and a pastor. And so uh, this past January, I actually was down at Exponential in uh, Orlando and met a, a bunch of other female church planters from the Wesleyan denomination and was just kind of really excited to see how much they are equipping and resourcing and just really um, passionately behind female church planters. And as, as someone who God put that call on my life uh, last year, I, I was uh, more than thrilled to, to become uh, related with them and affiliated with them. So. And I really enjoy Dr. Carl Eastlack. I think his leadership is tremendous, and I certainly um, love him as a man as well. Certainly gives incredible direction, and uh, I feel as though he's there for us, especially during COVID-19 in the yes. middle of the pandemic. In New York City, how have you guys survived personally, but then also with ministry during this time? I had a, have a friend who's in New York City. And he really couldn't leave his apartment building for a long mm. time. And that sense of isolation was very difficult. How have you guys uh, been? Yeah, that's a great question. It it definitely was a challenge. Um, I will say that, um, ironically, God had provided my husband and I with a, a small little weekend house outside of the city uh, a year ago, and never in our wildest dreams did we imagine we would be hunkering down. We actually brought a bunch of our launch team. We were sort of mid-launch mid, mid -launch of our church. Uh, we had planned uh, to 
to launch in, in May. And we took a bunch of these folks who were on our team, artists, um, some had lost their jobs. And we actually retreated. We had already been up here when things started going crazy in, in the city. We were up here for spring break. And um, we so we just invited. We knew we could house more people up here who needed to quarantine. And so there were seven of us <laughs> living in this house for what we thought would just be a few weeks. You know, we thought, oh, we'll just we'll just hunker down and and um, go back in and and it ended up being about four months and so we all got back to the city this summer um, because we could not start live services we really felt like God was encouraging us and prompting us to keep going and start online so that's what we did we started online services on Pentecost Sunday May 31st and um, it's not been anything like we had planned <laughs> It's been better, I would say, in the Lord's uh, wonderful way. He uh, has sustained us and enabled us to to plant a church online. And we are we're so excited because we just did last weekend our very first community outreach. Um, New York is getting better. The city is getting better. Things are starting to reopen. We have kept the COVID rate down. We we have to obviously maintain um, safety and be careful how we're gathering and when and all the sorts of specifics yeah. about that. But we are actually even looking at we're going to trial a uh, a live service with our team next Sunday in our building, and we're really excited about that. We're on East Thirty First Street, so we're going to see how that goes. We're monitoring, you know spikes if there's any you know spikes because school started back up and i know they're they're you know there could be another surge so we're just we're monitoring and and what i think the main thing we've learned is just to be flexible i'm thankful we have a team a really passionate team of artists who are very creative and very flexible and so we've just pivoted as much as we've needed to yeah, let me pull up your Facebook page right here. And there's a picture of uh, receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And we spoke off air just about um, the importance of the arts for you guys specifically. I wish, um, I guess, I think that we had a arts pastor. I know that adds to worship in several different dynamics. Can you just talk, did you grow up with this? I shouldn't say bent, but for this affinity for the arts, or is this something that you've had to learn to embrace and just to uh, have other people fill in those voids? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, in my former career, I actually was uh, an artist. I was an actor and singer. And actually, I ended up in New York City in 1996 because I got cast in a Broadway show. So I, um, you know, was a, was an actor and singer and dancer for a number of years before I became a full-time pastor. And so it's very much a part of who I am, um, the communities that I've run in. Um, my husband and I helped uh, plant a church after 9-11 in the city that um, really attracted a lot of artists. So I led one of their very first creative artists, small groups. And um, yeah, I've always had, a, I guess, a, a kindred spirit with other fellow artists. Uh, my brother's a visual artist, so kind of runs in the family. And um, yeah, I just, I believe God's created us, as we, we mentioned earlier, uh, you and I were talking before we started that, you know, we are all created uh, by a creator, right? We are all artistic in nature, whether we know it or not. And um, being able to express that. And I think also a passion of mine is being able to express 
different artistic mediums within the church. I think that's something that that we need to keep being intentional about. Um, otherwise, our, our our artists who you know that's who they are uh, sometimes don't feel they have a place there. You know, specifically either in a worship service or in a community. So we're uh, very passionate about making spaces for for artists. That's so important that we do and intentionally do that as well when it doesn't come as naturally. Uh, Hope Nomad, that's uh, your Instagram handle. Where did that name come from? Yes. So uh, if you know anything about Manhattan, we're full of little neighborhoods. And uh, I don't know when they started doing this, but a while ago they started kind of putting together little kitschy names. And so our our neighborhood is actually the nomad neighborhood of New York City. It's it's uh, stands for north of Madison Square Park. And so that is our our neighborhood north of Madison Square Park, hence Hope Nomad. We're in the Nomad neighborhood. And it's it's a great little pocket, uh, fairly unchurched pocket, which is one of the reasons why we were excited to get in there and plant a church in there. We're, we're kind of um, uh, on, the, on the fringe of three different neighborhoods. So we've got Nomad, um, Kipps Bay, and Murray Hill all sort of convene and converge where our uh, ministry building is. Well, uh, Kathy, Catherine, Pastor Bruce, whatever you uh, want to be known as, can we back up a little bit? Um, how did you grow up as far as a family structure? Did you have parents that kind of pushed you into Christianity, some might say, or was that something you discovered and felt just Jesus calling you? How did that all culminate? Yeah, so I grew up in a in a, a church going home. We uh, we moved around quite a bit when I was younger. So, but I I I don't ever remember a time where our family didn't go to church. Um, we we were actually in several Methodist churches, which I I love the fact that you know as the Wesleyan denomination, there's this connection uh, with the Methodist, and I certainly can say that I grew up in in Methodist churches. And uh, but I did not really come to understand who God was and and have a relationship with Jesus until I was in high school. So that uh, was predominantly through uh, Young Life, which is a high school organization. If you know that organization, uh, very near and dear to my heart. My son's involved in it uh, now. He's 15 and and uh, great just organization, uh, you know, based on sort of this model of relational evangelism. And that's something I think our church models well also is this idea of, you know, uh, building relationship and trust before we start, you know, pushing the gospel on people as we have to love, love people as Jesus did in, in all different kinds of ways. So, um, but yeah, predominantly through, through uh, young life is how I became a follower of Jesus. So, Kathy, my mom will probably watch this and tell me I should have chosen a better word, which might be indeed the case. However, how do you respond when people give you crap, grief uh, for <laughs> a vocational woman in ministry? Wow. Um, I don't know that anyone has overtly. <laughs> That's good. That's good. There hasn't been anything overt. However, um, my husband and I did move to the South for about 10 years. And so we have been back in the city for three. We were in the city for 10, moved away, raised our son in the South. I would say uh, non-overt in non-overt fashions, um, I definitely felt a sense of 
oppression, for lack of a better word, as a female leader. Uh, I identify with an eight on the Enneagram, if you know anything about the Enneagram. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> so, a three. I'm a three. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I very much um, felt like a fish out of water trying to be a female leader in certain uh, church spaces. And um, I was a worship leader for a very long time, a number of decades now, and actually a worship pastor, which is how I ended up in the in the Hope family of churches in New York City. Um, and so I would say <laughs> a lot of prayer and a lot of self-awareness. And I think, um, you know, I certainly as a woman, I can say that I experienced hurt by um, because I'm a woman and, and being told, you know, well, you can't do this, but you can do this and you can't do that, you know, and not a lot of it was super biblical biblically based. And it wasn't until I, I went to seminary that I started realizing, wow, you know, some of this is a little, little skewed, skewed theology here. So I, um, I think once I sort of understood who God was calling me to be and recognizing that, that I could embrace that, that's when um, I really started stepping out in my leadership fully. So I don't know, I haven't had anyone really overtly, I guess. Um, Give me crap. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Sorry, mom. Hey, so do you think I would feel that uh, New York City is a perfect place for you with all of the diversity? Has it been an adjustment or do you just love that city feel? So I fell in love with New York City probably in high school. I had a uh, a dear friend who was like a big brother to me who used to let me come visit and he would take me to Broadway shows and um, just encouraged me in my acting career. And I fell in love with the city then because of the arts. But I would say it was in the the in uh, the late 90s and 2000 when I actually took my first full time role as a, on, on a church staff that I realized how much of a, a beautiful mission field it is of people who have, you know, many have never heard the gospel. They've never um, bumped into a, a Christian who's going to love them unconditionally and not, not throw a bunch of um, legalistic rules at them. Like I just, I love the people of New York City. So I, I, I would say I love what New York, I think when I was younger, I would say I loved what New York had to offer. But now as a minister there, I love the fact that I get to, as a pastor, just love on people. I mean, our, our church went out last Saturday and, and gave out masks and hand sanitizers to 500 people and had conversations and just got to know people in our neighborhood and, and got to talk with them about their struggles and and just be the hands and feet of Jesus. Like that, that was the best it was the best day I had last week was getting to do that. So I would say, you know, loving God, loving people. Those are my, yeah. my two, uh, my two things, my heart. And so I love that I get to do that in a city that I love. Well, that's wonderful. And I think we could look at Jesus example and he did the same. So if we're to be like Jesus, uh, that's some important qualities. I just want to ask you too, because I know that when I speak to uh, younger Christians or just students, just um, younger age-wise want to do and then after i will pursue jesus what are your thoughts as far as your background with acting broadway all of the arts that you've been a part of 
Do you feel like you've had to give up those things you've loved and now it's time to focus on Jesus or have they been able to be blended together? Oh, that's a great question. So um, I think as a Christian in the arts, it was definitely, I was definitely in the minority, you know, early on in my twenties when I moved there and it was hard, right? Cause the culture, our, the culture of, of urban cities is so can be so swaying and so um, alluring, right? Like the pursuit of success. Many people move to New York City to become successful, to earn a lot of money. Um, you know, but but the Bible says those are not the, those things are so temporal, right? And so even if you have those things, and I, I think you know what I learned, getting my dream job in my 20s, right? So like getting to to perform on Broadway was my dream job at a, at a very early age. What I realized was it never, that never, you, you never get satiated by that, right? Like that's, that's, you know, you're always going to want more. So then it's like, okay, well, you landed on Broadway, but now, you know, what's the next big role you're going to try and go after? And so it's, it's, it's temporal. It's, it's not, um, satisfying the things of the world are not truly satisfying and i think you know as i have conversations with people especially now in covid now that everything has been stripped away right we are left with ourselves and and god you know if we believe in in um, something bigger than us and so right now i think i think people need jesus more than ever right now i think um, as they are dealing with loneliness and the fact that they've had everything that they thought was important in many cases has been completely stripped out of their life. And so we're now getting back to this um, sort of ground zero, if you will, of, wow, we're with our families stuck in apartments. <laughs> and, you know, how do we deal with conflict and how do we how do we, um, you know, embedder our relationships? We can't do that without God. So I think. Um, yeah, I think we're in a really unique time in history right now, especially in the urban cities where um, really we only have Jesus left. <laughs> right. Right. What are your thoughts, uh, Kathy Bruce, pastor at nomad.org, um, hopenomad.org, makes it time to earning, joining us. Uh, what are your thoughts on the use of social media or technology during this time? Because I've certainly found it a benefit, but there are those that would still say uh, online church, vir virtual church, it is not the real thing as uh, meeting with people, which I can understand that to a point, but I really believe it's more both and instead of either or. Mm. So first of all, I guess, what are some of the fears you have for pastors, churches that just put all their eggs in one basket regarding technology? And what other thoughts do you have regarding that issue? I think, I think we are gonna move into a new season where it necessitates having both. Um, I'll be honest. I, I have not liked online church. It is not, I am, I'm an extrovert. I am a, I love to go have coffee with people and talk with them about how, how their life is going. And it's been difficult. And as soon as I could get back in and, and start, you know, as soon as the, the outdoor restaurants were going, you know, I was like, okay, I'm meeting you at a coffee shop or come on over and we'll, you know, find a place on the sidewalk to, to hang out, you know, like safely with masks and distancing and all that. But there's just something I, I feel like is lost, you know, personally, uh, when we're, we're divided by the screen at the same time, it has opened up 
um, the gospel in an incredible way because people from the comfort of their own home can hear about Jesus, participate in a worship service, do a small group. Our, uh, our, our, uh, we use the, uh, emotionally healthy discipleship curriculum yeah. for our um for our small groups during the week and we're they've been booming like we've had people that yes <laughs> good old plug for uh, for pete and jerry there yeah. um <laughs> but we we've had tremendous response online i know this summer we did a, a joint alpha course with um hope midtown and it was it was tremendous we had a, a ton of people jump on there, people with questions, you know, about life and their purpose now and how to deal with pain and suffering. And so I think we need both. Um, I think we're going into a season where it's not going to be good to put all your eggs in one basket, but I'll be honest, I'm, I'm excited for the day to, to get back in person as well. Now, what would you also advise for uh, parents of children that have been trying to disciple their kids at home, which, well, we were supposed to be doing all along, but sometimes we left it for the children's director, children's pastor, youth ministry team. How important is it that parents learn that this is their responsibility, but instead of shaking a finger as pastors, we just really come alongside them to help them with these aspects? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a parent, so I, I can't even imagine I have a teenager now, so... I can't even imagine like trying to do COVID when my son was three or five or even seven. Um, I so I'm in awe of how parents have been handling what I think is just an incredibly challenging season of trying to work from home, help their kids school from home, help disciple their kids from home. I see the church as a, as a really important part. It takes a village, right? We already know this. It takes a village to raise children. And so I think as the church, we have a really important responsibility to try and come alongside as best we're able to. Our our uh, own children's director at Hope Nomad has started, actually, we shifted our, we used to have a, a post-service kids group. Now she's shifted to during the week, spending individual time in smaller groups with kids to give parents a break and to um, to be able to teach, help teach the kids. But yeah, it's it's it takes a village. It absolutely does. And I think it's not... Um, I think the parents are probably learning right now, maybe in, in bigger ways, being forced to be home <laughs> with their children, that that we have the most important job to disciple our own children. Um, but also, I, you know, I see this op as an opportunity for the church to get creative and come alongside the parents to help with that. We've all got well, to work together. Another question and hitting on this, because I did see it on your uh, website too, The Emotionally Healthy Leader by Pete Cazero. It's amazing. I really... Uh, enjoy it. And I just think, or I've heard different reports, read reports, probably you have as well, about how this isolation is affecting people emotionally, whether it's mental illness or disappointment, discouragement, depression. The church, I believe God would have us be there for families in these times where there is that men mental aspect as well. What have you seen God do in your own life, in your family, or in your congregation that we could really learn from and apply for some of these situations? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I personally have struggled with depression over the last few years, and this has been a season where 
the the tools from the emotionally healthy discipleship courses have been tremendously valuable and so i've been encouraging my congregants uh people i know from actually all over the country we've had people i've had friends from facebook who jump into our emotionally healthy spirituality courses emotionally healthy relationship courses uh, we just did a emotionally healthy women's course where we had 25 women online uh, walking through these things together and i think the most important thing is taking the time to be with god because when we're with God, we're also with ourselves, right? Yeah, and, you know, yeah. it, we have to build a, 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 an awareness, a, an ability to become self-aware, especially of our emotions during this time. You know, I think what I learned early on through March, March and April is I had to sit and go, God, what is going on? Am I supposed to still plant this church? This is crazy, right? And I had to get real with myself and go, I am losing all the plans and hopes and visions that I had for how we were going to plant this church. I'm now losing all that because God's taking over and God's going to, God's going to unfold it the way he's going to unfold it. And I've got two choices. I can either get on board with that, but address the loss of my right. preference of how I would have liked things to go or, um, or not. And so I chose to follow God. And, but I think, acknowledging the loss is really important and we're all dealing with tremendous loss right now not you know loss of jobs loss of, of family and friends people who have have have, have died from covid right we, we're dealing with so much grief and loss and i think it's easy to just kind of want to brush past that and not deal with it and that's not healthy right. it's going to hold us back no, I certainly agree uh, with that. And those are uh, wise words. I know for me, I love listening to different podcasts or several books that I will listen to. And now I would just listen to it as I was driving and wouldn't pay attention. So some books I will listen to as I look at the hard copy and highlight, underline, uh, found some great resources. What are some resources that help you besides the Bible? Uh, and besides your personal devotions that really help you in leadership, but help you stay aligned with who God created you to become. Mm. So the book that I've been just has been, I've been clutching in this season is a book on Sabbath by Wayne Mueller. Hmm. And I have been digesting it very slowly. I'll take a chapter a week and just sort of meditate on it pray through it. But this idea of, I remember when March and April when COVID hit, I felt like I was working a hundred hours a week. <laughs> I was like trying to, you know, pivot and keep up with all the Zoom calls and, you know, all the stuff, right? All the stuff that we're doing right now. And I realized by probably the end of April that this was not sustainable. And though I had a regular Sabbath, you know, daily Sabbath a week rhythm, this book on Sabbath that Wayne Mueller wrote is so phenomenally um, just encouraging and having you look at Sabbath in a different way. And for instance, the chapter I was just looking at last week was about how we are a Sabbath to others. When we empty out ourselves, we're able to be more present with people. And as a pastor right now, I have to be able to do that. I have to be able to obviously make sure that I'm, I'm 
achieving my own Sabbath rest, but I have to be able to empty myself so that I can be Sabbath for someone else, so that I can can listen incarnationally, that I can encourage and um, and just spur on, but that I can really be present with somebody else. And so that uh, that book, I would say, has had a huge impact on me in this season. Why do you think pastors in particular do not take or have Sabbath? Well, I worked for a church that uh, did not take Sabbath for a while in the past. And what I noticed about that situation was there was this, this sort of connecting with, I've got to stay on the rat race. I've got to stay on all, I got to keep working hard in order to grow the church, right? So there was this huge emphasis on, growing the church. Now, obviously, if you grow the church, there's nothing wrong with growing the church, right? You're, you're, you're presenting, you're able to present the gospel to more people, right? It's, it's not an inherently bad thing, but if you're growing the church to the detriment of the death, depth that you're growing with Jesus and that the people that are coming, you're, it's to the debt detriment of growing deep with Jesus, yeah. then it's a problem, right? And so you're also, so, so again, I think there's this, this, kind of false equation of the harder I work, right? And that's, we see that in society. I, I ran a business actually for 10 years. And I, I I remember burning out about around year seven because I thought I got to keep working. I got to keep hustling. I got to, you know, I got to get more clients. I got to, you know, and the more I did that, then, then the more successful the business would be, right? And um, <laughs> that's a problem, yeah, right? Yeah. I'd rather, you know, so, so as a pastor now, I, you know, I learned from, from my bad practices of, of working too hard and not resting. And, and the Lord has created rest for our benefit and, and well, for our health. Yeah, I'd suggest that too often we people are chasing after their, their own identity, where if we would take mm -hmm. time to rest, we would find our identity as who God created us to be. And we would be, um, you know, open to that instead of just chasing our own dreams or whatever yeah. success we think. We think it is. Kathy, thank you so much for making the time. Uh, a couple questions, then we'll get you out. Hopefully these are more fun, lighthearted. But uh, I just want to know if you're at liberty to share, what was the Broadway production that you were a part of? I was in Les Miserables. Oh, look at that. Fancy <laughs> pants. Oh, good. Um, so another question. If you were cast in a fictional movie, would you want to play the hero or the villain? Oh, that's a great question. So I would probably say some, some of my most favorite stage roles when I was an actor were kind of the villain. I always got cast as the ingenue, you know, and my most fun that I had creating. So I would say probably the villain. See, that's, that's what I would say. So, and I, if it's a fictional movie, right? I think right. as a pastor, I'm like, you know what? I think it might be fun to play the villain. Well, the, yeah, and there is evil, right? There's evil and goodness, yes, so. The best answer I heard was somebody said they wanted to play Captain Jack Sparrow, or they want to be like that hero villain or whatever the case might be. Um, so, how are you doing with uh, your son's homeschooling? Is this something that um, 
is he back to school multiple days or is it uh, where you're balancing Zoom, computer, internet with uh, with raising kids, doing church and trying yeah. to live life? Yeah, so he's in a hybrid situation right now. So it's it's not too bad. I would say the biggest challenge we're having is the homework. Yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah. not anything new. You know, um, my son is very, very talented and, and a bright kid. And uh, he, you know, his mind is sometimes off in other places. And so sometimes we miss some of those those homework things, but it's, it's something we're working on. And we thankfully got the, you know, the, the internet so that we all can effectively, you know, we're, we're very thankful to have the internet. We can all zoom when we need to. <laughs> yeah. Well, technology is great. I probably should save this for off air, but I get so, uh, I don't know, nervous. My headphones went out so that I could only hear you through the screen that I'm seeing you on. But then I realized the headphones were kind of, helping me with my bad hair day and my friends are going to make fun of me for having a little man bun but you know what i'm 45 if i want to have hey. a man bun yeah yeah absolutely it's a beautiful thing about being in your 40s you just that's don't care truth. you just don't care anymore that's the truth <laughs> kathy last question i have for you how can we whether it's clergy christians um, the Wesley denomination be praying for you, your family, and the Hope Nomad Church. Yes, uh, we would covet your prayers. I would say just that we would, our church would be a blessing in our neighborhood. That is our, our biggest prayer right now, that we would uh, just be able to reach out and continue to be creative and that God would continue to bring people into our, our congregation as, as we grow that want to go deep with Jesus. And yeah, that we would just be a blessing to New York City. That's our biggest prayer. Kathy, thank you so much for making the time. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much, Jeff. And again, that's Kathy Bruce, pastor at hopenomad.org, hopenomad.org. Make sure you go and check that out. My name is Jeff Fuller. I'm the pastor at Living Hope Wesleyan Church. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living Hope Wesleyan, and now on Google Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Living Hope Wesleyan. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. And let us remember that we are simply beggars sharing bread with other beggars, attempting and being God's hands and feet as we just love one another. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon.